You're listening to a podcast of Master Your Finances with me, Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Another day, another dollar, and our certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker, will give you the tips you need to turn that single into a sea of green with Master Your Finances. Whether you have enough to get by or too much in your pockets, Kurt Baker and his weekly guests are here to show you how to manage it all. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment, LLC. Now listen up, because it's time to get a hold of those money matters and master your finances. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances, presented by Certified Wealth Management Investment. I am Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional hosting your show, and my office is located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us, or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And very pleased to have with us uh, Steve Besserman. Very excited about this. I think it's a very interesting subject matter we're going to have. He's the chief storyteller of Ari Joe Productions uh, LLC. In January 2010, Steve founded Ari Joe Productions for the purpose of realizing his lifetime ambition of bringing his parents' Holocaust survivors' love story to the screen. He served as executive producer, writer, and director of this award-winning independent documentary, Only a Number which has appeared at film festivals, has been broadcast on PBS stations across the country, and is being used in the curriculum of New Jersey schools through the New Jersey Commission on Holocaust Education. Steve expanded Ari Joe Productions to provide affordable video documentary storytelling for small to mid-sized businesses, nonprofit organizations, and people who wish to capture, share, and preserve their family history. Steve, this is fantastic. I mean, I just, I mean, we met like a few weeks back and I just thought this was an amazing subject matter. I think not just from a professional side, I mean, we think about professionals, how we're all going to video. Nobody reads anymore. They say all the things people still read too, but I, but there's a lot more that needs to be done on the video side, which I think is great. But what really, what really caught me was how expansive this is. Like you're going right now to those individual stories and I, I think it's fantastic. So I guess let's start off by telling me a little bit of the history of how you got involved in this and what brought you to this point now. Sure. Thank you, Kurt. Thanks for having me here today. Um, well, you know, I started Ari Joe in uh, 2010 um, at the time for the sole purpose of capturing my parents' story. Uh, my parents were Holocaust survivors. My mom was from Hungary. Her birth name was Aranka. And uh, my dad was from Poland, and his birth name was Josef. So you could see where Ari Joe came from. Everybody uh, in the family called my mom Ari, and uh, everybody in the family called my dad And you Joe. made sure mom came first, right? And I made sure mom <laughs> came first. <laughs> Smart. But uh, at the time, in 2010, um, it was really for the sole purpose right. of making this documentary. I had professional experience uh, uh, going to uh, college for... Uh, film and communications, and uh, I worked in television for a number of years. Um, So um, my journey to the documentary, however, really began over 40 years ago, and that was when I uh, had asked my mom uh, to capture uh, her uh, experience uh, before, during, and after the Holocaust. And uh, I was very familiar with uh, her stories of her life experience and my dad's as well, but um, my mom actually had taken on over 40 years ago this exercise to improve her written English. She uh-huh. used to write in what I called Hunglish, 
you know, kind of a combination of Hungarian phonetics that spelled out English words. Okay. And, uh, well, many of us do that. We try to learn another language. We kind of blend them a little bit, right? True that. <laughs> so um, uh, my mom had shared with me this exercise that she was doing where she would pick out uh, English words from a dictionary that she was unfamiliar with and then write their definitions out so she could commit those to memory and then use those words in sentences and what well, was you know, kind of like diary entries and uh, – mm-hmm. So she shared this with me on a visit to uh, my uh, home in the Bronx where I grew up. And uh, uh, I was married at the time, uh, didn't have any children yet. But uh, so when my mom shared this uh, notebook with me in this exercise, I had read this lengthy paragraph that she wrote about an experience that she had shopping with one of my aunts, one of her sisters. And uh, uh, she saw something on the shelf in the store where they were shopping that reminded her of an experience in Auschwitz. And uh, so she wrote a little bit about that. And I was familiar with that story, but somehow when I saw it in her simple hand and uh, uh, regenerated those memories in my mind of hearing that story, it just really jumped out at me as something that I really needed to capture as far as her experience, her life experience, and how important it was going to be to me to pass that on to my children when I had them and their children when they have them. And uh, so um, I reacted uh, that way uh, to my mom, and she was very innocent and unsuspecting of what I was reacting to, and she just was very proud of this exercise that she performed. And I, and I said, well, Mom, this is really great, but it would really mean so much to me to have those uh, memories documented uh, and passed on. And uh, we went back for a visit about six weeks later, and uh, my mom uh, left the room for a moment and came back holding about five or six spiral notebooks that I left behind from my college days and mm-hmm. finished her notes on this three-hole punch paper that I left behind without fasteners. So she used string from a bakery box to tie those together and finish them. And She uh, came up to me and handed me this stack of notebooks and uh, said, Stephen, I did what you asked me to do. And... Um, uh, I was very emotional at the time and still am, and uh, I began to leaf through the pages of these notebooks, and page after page, both sides of the page filled mm-hmm. with her memories. Um, and um, that became all the more important to me uh, many years later when my mom was diagnosed with dementia, and uh, she had wow. begun to lose uh, all of her short-term memory, but even the longer-term memories, including having written those many notes. So with uh, professional experience and my mom's diagnosis and uh, uh, my thoughts uh, about how to bring that story to life and share that, Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, went back to Europe to all of the locations in my mom's experience, uh, Hungary, Germany, Poland, and... uh, and I used her words to tell the story. And I was looking for remnants of her past in the present, and I found many. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I produced the documentary titled Only a Number, which was my mom's choice for the title because she said, you know, when we were prisoners of the Nazis, we weren't considered human beings. We were only right. the number on our arms. Yeah. Uh, that was our only identity. So... Uh, and since I made the film, only a number went on to uh, appear at about half a dozen film festivals. It won several awards for, um, you know, for best feature documentary, among other things. And 
And uh, then it was uh, also broadcast on select stations uh, on PBS uh, across the country, as you said in the introduction. And um, But the thing that I'm most proud of is uh, after the first film festival, uh, I met uh, a gentleman who subsequently has passed, Dr. Paul Winkler. And uh, Paul was... Um, made the executive director of the New Jersey Commission on Holocaust Education when it was established in 1994. And uh, Paul, in addition to the many, many things that he did to contribute to Holocaust uh, genocide and human rights education, he created these uh, centers, uh, educational centers, and mm -hmm. they're based at colleges all around the state. I believe you have one here at Ryder. Okay. Um, and um, uh, they provide educators and students with uh, materials for uh, Holocaust ed education. So I'm very proud of that. That's amazing. That's just an amazing story. Yeah, you, I, mean, I mean, you hear about these things, but when somebody personally tells a story, especially when it's your mother, I mean, because I know some people that go through very traumatic events in their lives. Yes. They do not want to discuss it. That was my father. <laughs> and right. And that, and that's, I mean, cause you hear people who go through trauma, whether it's war or losing somebody or uh, obviously the Holocaust, I mean, all these different really tra uh, traumatic events um, and people respond differently to these things. Right. Um, and I think that if you can, I, I believe personally, this might, is if you can discuss it and you can kind of communicate it out. I, I think that's a healing process, I think, for a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, in, in a way, uh, when you kind of hold it in and, and kind of let it all, you know, work within your own brain a little bit, I think it's good to, to be able to do that. I think it's great your mom did that. I think that was probably good for her to do, go through that whole exercise and to extend. And now she really can pass that along and hopefully we can all learn yeah. from this. I mean, obviously yeah. none of us want anything anywhere close to that to ever happen again. So hopefully we'll be a little smarter. Sure. sure. And maybe we'll, uh, you know, keep these types of things from occurring yeah. in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very passionate about uh, Holocaust and genocide education. And, you know, you look around the world today and these things are still happening. Right. Uh, we have not learned our lessons and, um, uh, when I show the film, uh, I'm on the advisory commission of the uh, Holocaust Genocide Resource Center. At uh, uh, It's based at Mercer County Community College, and um, uh, they show the film every semester. And mm -hmm. then I go in and I talk to the students after they've seen the film. But at the end of my talk, what I, you know, what I tell the students is, you know, I, I do this for the main reason of sharing the story with you, mm -hmm. <laughs> younger right. people, because... Uh, we all need to take responsibility to stand up against hatred oh, and sure. prejudice and violence uh, right. whenever and wherever it exists. And, uh, you know, I tell them, you know, there were six million Jewish people exterminated during the Holocaust, but there were another five million people, whether they were you know, political dissidents in the right. eyes of the Nazis or whether they were black or whether they were homosexual or mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, it's not a Jewish thing. Right. It's a humanity thing. And that's the important thing for yeah, people. It's, to very it's a very dangerous uh, precept that, uh, that it leads to all this. And you're right throughout history, we've seen it over and over and over again. Right. And we're going to come back uh, here in just a few minutes to talk a little bit more about that and get into like how you've expanded this to really kind of help the rest of us do things that are very similar based on your experiences. We'll be back in, in just a few minutes. It's, money, money, money. it's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Massier Finances. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I am Kurt Baker here with uh, Steve Besserman, uh, the owner of Ari uh, Joe Productions. And he was very kind of got to go through the history of why he started Ari Joe Productions, naming it in honor of his parents, his mother and his father. Uh, and their, uh, uh, you know, they were Holocaust survivors. And he did the uh, uh, documentary, Only a Number, which uh, he did from notes that your mother wrote before she took on, you know, unfortunately was diagnosed with dementia and had trouble remembering things, and including her long-term memory. So it's great that she was able to do that. That's one good thing we should have our elders do whenever possible, make sure they write a lot of us down. And if we are getting a little older out there, we, we should be doing this for the benefit of our children because you really want to memorialize your life because that really helps I think future generations understand where they came from, understand what your past is and why am I who I am, so to speak. And, you know, uh, so I think it really does help us kind of set ourselves where we are. Um, And I think it helps us to get perspective on the fact that we all come from different places, but we're all in the same place. So we all need to get, we need to understand that, that we have a lot of differences, but we're basically all the same in many, in most ways. So um, I think it's great. And I think all of this really helps for us to really kind of get, basically get along better. And as you pointed out, I think beforehand is that a lot of these things that are going on the Holocaust was just one major disaster that happened in history, but there's, it's unfortunately still going on today, which um, is very sad. And uh, I think telling these stories is one way to hopefully have that end. And and since then, of course, you've expanded this into other areas and I'll let you explain like kind of how you, how you moved on from this experience with your mom and creating the, and creating the, um, the company. So what have you, what happened next, so to speak, after you did all that? Yeah, well, uh, you know, on a personal level, Kurt, I, um, uh, since I made the film and, and it uh, has been shown or I've been making presentations, uh, I have screening programs where I share the film with audiences, and uh, I can't tell you the number of people that I've come across uh, that will, you know, slap their knee and say, if, you know, if only I would have sat down with my grandfather, he was a World War II hero, or mm-hmm. my aunt was a seamstress on the Lower East Side of New York, and she told us all these things, and I just never captured it, you know, for the family, for myself, for the family, you know, mm-hmm. and I heard countless stories uh, of that nature. So uh, the points that you made at the start of this segment was really valid and uh uh, I encourage people all the time. You know, everybody has a story. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean you know some traumatic experience or whatever. But everybody has a story. So I encourage people to do what they can. You know, either with their family members or you know, iPhone uh, journal notes. You know, wh- however you can capture it, uh, uh, or hire a professional like me. Right, but um, right. uh, you know, really, the most important thing is for you to capture those stories. So one example of that is um, uh, I had a, a good friend. I still have a good friend, and um, uh, his mom uh, was a really interesting person and led a really interesting life. And um, uh, I I captured her story for the family. They engaged me to do that. And uh, uh, her her nickname, uh, which really is everybody calls her Bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that film is on my website. It was also broadcast on television with her uh, permission. But uh, Bunny was turning 97 when uh, I first uh, encountered her and her family. And I, I knew her a little bit from some of the family events that I had been invited to by my friend. And um, there was actually a time when we were all down on LBI. Bunny lives mm-hmm. on uh, Long Beach Island. And, and uh, we were visiting another friend. And uh, uh, my friend Chuck uh, says to me, uh, you know, I can't be on the island without going to see my mom. 
And mm-hmm. uh, so I said, well, you know, we've all met your mom. You know, let's all go, you know. So we went for a visit, and uh, we visited Bunny, and we're in her home, and I was in her home for the first time, and I was looking at her wall of photographs, uh, and I I saw one particular photograph of uh, Bunny sort of uh, dressed up in a, uh, which I didn't know at the time, but it was a costume, and it was this, you know, kind of flowing dress slid up to the hip, and, mm-hmm. and uh, a feather boa around, and <laughs> she was in her 80s when that photograph was taken. Oh, wow. That's great. And I just said, that's kind of an interesting photograph. You know, what was that all about? And uh, Bunny <laughs> proceeded to tell me uh, the story. And uh, uh, when, we, when we left, and the story was is that Bunny was a bit of a dancer and performer mm-hmm. and actress and uh, uh, did regional theater and local theater. And, uh, but she was performing in a show for AARP, <laughs> the mm-hmm. AARP players in her area, and uh, she was doing sort of a mock strip tease to uh, let me entertain you, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's and great. that was the the photograph that you know that told the story. But when she told the story, you know, it's just, it made such an impression on me. And uh, uh, you know, Chuck was one of four children. You know, and the children are in their seventies. You know, <laughs> and uh, and they each had uh, parts of her story. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and they had boxes of photographs, some which were digitally captured and. But, um, you know, nobody could tell the story like the person whose story right. it is, you know. So when we uh, left her home, I just looked at Chuck, and I was looking to do a project of somebody else's life right. story. Right. And um, I said, Chuck, I said, there, you know, there's a documentary in your mom. And, so I'm uh, just curious, when, when you guys, because you saw this, right? So yeah. what happened when we first said, hey, Bunny, we think you have a really interesting life. We need to do a documentary on it, because most mothers of four... Yeah, that I envisioned that kind of like. What do you mean an interesting life? I mean, I mean, I'm just wondering what her response was. You saying her your life is very interesting. She's probably like, well, my life's just a regular old life. That's, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, that's what, kind of what. So how did you? Those are all. Go? Those are almost Bunny's exact <laughs> words, uh, actually. Uh, and I, you know, I thought it best that uh, I was just so impressed with her, and I just thought it best that uh, that uh, her son asked her. Right, so I right. asked him to ask her, right. and she was a little resistant at first. But then, you know, she he said, "Mom, you know, please, you know, do it, you know, you know, for us, you know, for right. me and our, you know, our, my siblings, you know, please do it for us." And uh, so she agreed. And uh, when I showed up with my camera, and I'm setting up and setting up the microphone and everything, and. And Bunny said just that. She said, you know, I don't know what you're going to make of all this. Okay. I lived a very ordinary life, and nobody's going to find this interesting or whatever. And I right. just – so I just looked at her, and I said, Bunny, I'll tell you what. If nothing comes out of this, I'm going to take everything I have, and I'm going to turn it over to your children so that they okay. have it forever and always, and then they can pass that along to your grandchildren and everything. And uh, she looked at me and she said, well, that's nice. That's good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that kind of relaxed her and everything. <laughs> I can see that. And, that's you know, nice. what poured out of Bunny in the course of, you know, probably a 90-minute to two-hour interview, mm-hmm. um, uh, which we had to take breaks, just like you. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, was just, you know, this amazing life story and uh, can only be told, uh, you know, uh, like Bunny could tell it. And uh, it was just wonderful. And I'm proud to say that, uh, the family kind of adopted me after that because they were so thrilled with what uh, what I gave them. Right, sure. <laughs> and um, and uh, we were invited, my wife and I were invited to Bunny's 100th birthday party. Mm. And I'm happy to say that this July 7th, please God, she will uh, turn 102. Oh, my goodness. So, that's amazing. Uh, and that she's amazing. become a celebrity. So <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, one thing that like I think about is I think nowadays a lot of us have like 
you have some film of some things, but not necessarily the older generation. Right. But but just my thought in my head is that sometimes it's like like too much information almost. Like you want to turn it into a story, right? Right. So that you can play. I mean, you want to keep all of that, obviously. But sure. to me, it, it sounds like in some cases, it's be kind of nice to put it in, you know, kind of a storytelling mode mm-hmm. because nobody's going to watch 300 hours of tape, right? Somehow you want to kind of right. get it to right. kind of tell, like, right. what actually was going on. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a nice part of it, right? Yeah. In the end, uh, the version that the family got was uh, probably about 45 minutes. Okay. Um, what was broadcast on television because we had to fit, you know, a half hour time slot. Sure. Plus, uh, they brought us up to NJTV Studios. Nice. And they interviewed Bunny and I when uh, when they were going to broadcast the film. And uh, so that was uh, version was about 23 minutes. That's what's on my website now. Okay. But, uh, uh, so, yeah, it, it was condensed, and uh, I don't think we really lost too much. And, right, uh, right. Plus, right. you know, the addition of uh, archival images, you know, family photographs. Uh, they even had home video of her mock striptease act you, on stage. Okay. So all of that was incorporated in the film. So it's quite uh, quite entertaining, even if you don't know Bunny. Well, that, that's pretty <laughs> neat. That's what I, I mean. That's really good. So when somebody... Two or three generations from now says, "Who was Bunny? This person, you know, in my, you know, one of my ancestors." Then they say, "Well, here's Bunny. Yeah, you know, here, yeah, here's what she yeah, was like." Yeah. Because I mean, you see names on a, tr- you know, on a family tree, type of type of thing. You don't really know what that person is or who that person was. You could read right. about them a little bit, right? But to actually see somebody, I mean, we have that advantage nowadays where you can actually video and and really get a feel, yeah, for what you know the older generation was like, right. You know, the other value is that uh, Bunny, unfortunately, lost her husband to cancer uh, mm-hmm. 25 years ago. And um, uh, she was able to communicate his story. It was a World War II Purple oh, wow. Heart winner. And, right, uh, right. You know, I mean, uh, really an incredible man. And uh, uh, so she was able to share the story that he is not here to share. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I mean... A lot more to talk about. I mean, this is a fantastic thing. So you do the the individuals, and we'll talk a little bit more about how you kind of expanded that into more areas as well. We come back from the break in just a few moments. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finances. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I am Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. I'm here with... uh, Steve Besserman, chief storyteller of Ari Joe Productions, and he's in last segment. He kind of walked through um, how he uh, transitioned from doing the documentary with his mom um, and her experiences with the Holocaust into Bunny and uh, her four children and the, her husband that she lost uh, in in war, I guess. And, and so she was able to tell a little bit of his story as well. So to kind of preserve um, that information for the, for the next generations. And I guess they learned a lot about mom, so to speak, when they did all this. They sure did. And so now it's preserved, right? And that's fantastic. Um, so what have you done since so individual storytelling is very, very important. Whether you pick up, as you said before, whether you pull out the iPhone and just record something, whether you do it or, or have a, a family member kind of ask you some questions and maybe get you going. Uh, or if you really want to do a nice job, you can hire a professional and, and really kind of you know get a, get a, an actual piece that would really survive several generations in a nice way. So you know, even with no budget, you can do a little bit of something, right? And Absolutely. I think that's key. Absolutely. But so, what have you done since, like the individual story? I know that's part of what you do now, um, but I think you do some other things as well. You want to talk about that? Yes, I do. Um, I you know I I 
kind of uh, niched myself, if you will, or, uh, you know, people when they uh, just see Ari Joe Productions or whatever, and they say, oh, so you're a videographer? And I say, no, I'm a documentary <laughs> filmmaker, you mm -hmm. know, at heart. But um, uh, I try to apply that to all of the things that I do. And uh, so I don't do weddings. I don't do bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I don't do anniversary parties. <laughs> but um, uh, so um, I thought about other audiences uh that uh, would be able to tell a story. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, as I said before, everybody has a story. Right, and um, right. so I started to focus on uh, not only individual and personal stories, life stories, but uh, stories uh, that uh, business people have, you know, small to mid-sized businesses that can't afford big budget productions or right. and um, or don't do advertising or they do advertising but it's not really um, helping them connect with people uh, you know customers or you know potential clients or things like that and um, what I tell people all the time especially small to mid-sized business people is uh, you know the thing to realize is you know here's a news flash right there are thousands of people that do what you do so what you do isn't as important as who you are. <laughs> oh, there's no question about that. Or why yeah, you yeah. do it. Every you business know? has a personality. You have a personality. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you have a you personality. You have a yep. story. It's like, yep. well, you know, right. why are you passionate about what you do? Right. How do you help people? You know, what's the human connection? You know, sure. people, you know as well as I do, right? People do things for practical reasons, and they do things for emotional reasons. Right. And it's at the emotional level that you really connect with people. Emotion is far more powerful than, than anything else, right? Exactly. Right. And even people that do advertising will tell yeah. you that. That's why, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, even it's, advertising and different marketing communications have uh, taken a turn over the years. And as opposed to just, you know, stating product benefits or service benefits <laughs> or whatever, or, you know, we, we do this, this, and this. Right, right, right. Um, you know, it's, they really connect with the emotion that are involved in yeah, whatever it is they're considering. people expect you to be able to do what you do. Yeah. They want to they know how's that relationship going to feel to them and exactly. how are you going to value it. I mean, what's that connection going to be? Because no matter what business you're, they're going to expect you to, like, make a good cup of coffee or they're going to expect you to – do financial plans properly, or they're going to expect all that to happen. Right. And if you're skilled, you're going to do it correctly. And then, but they want to know how is that relationship going to feel back and forth. And that's where I, I think really turning, putting a personality on the business really yeah. matters. To yeah. People. Yeah. Absolutely. And some uh, some people need help in you know finding their story. Like they don't realize, like Bunny, right? Like you right. know, Bunny thought her life was ordinary or whatever, and a lot of people <laughs> think. Well, you know, I'm just you know good at X, or you right. know, uh, you know, I went to school for Y, or I mean, right. but it's you know, it's their background and their personal um, commitment and you know depth of right. uh, uh, passion that they put mm -hmm. into what they do and how they help people and you know the human factor. Sure. Um, so uh, so sometimes I need to help them find that, or uh, sometimes it's right there at the. Well, I was going <laughs> to ask you surface. how do you because I mean I know people. You say, well, you know, what is your personality, or how do you deal with clients, or how do they, how do they see you? I mean, these questions come up a lot when whenever you go to these workshops, right? And right. Most of me, right. most of us. I mean, I, I'm a, I've done these drills myself, but I mean, a lot of people are just like I don't know. Right. I mean, right. I am right. who I am. Right. So how do right. you kind of turn? How do you get that conversation going so they kind of like reveal themselves a little bit to you? You know, you know what? It's <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a, a a little bit like 
dating, you know. Oh, there you although go. I haven't dated in a very, very long okay. time. You're dating <laughs> but, business owners. But uh, yeah, and that's why, uh, or you know, or you know, or okay. I'll equate it to networking, or right. when people network, you know, there's speed networking, which you know, I don't know how much people get out of that, but uh, just like speed dating. Sure. Um, okay. But uh, you know, maybe you're just looking for that initial, you know, attraction to something. Okay. But. You know, when people like in networking groups, uh, I belong to several, right. and um, you know, outside of the groups, people have one-on-ones, sure. uh, you know, or one-two-ones or whatever right, they call right, it. Right, but right, right. but that's where people will sit down and you know get a little bit more of an idea. You know, they already know what the person does. Right. You want to, right, <laughs> right? You want to know more about their. So you want to know about them. You okay. Know? And it's like you know, so how'd you get started in all of this? True. Or, you know, like what's your background? And and I find. More times than not, all the time, really, um, if I ask a few key questions, just like you would in a conversation, right. meeting somebody for the first time, oh, you know, so what you, or... Well, how'd you or, get into this, right? Yeah. Or, how'd you start that yeah, business? Yeah, how'd you get into this? Where'd you grow up? What was your life right, like right. as a kid? There's always a you know, reason, what right? was, yeah, yeah, there's always something in their background that, okay. you know, has led them to do what they do. And... Um, and you bring some of their personality into it. You bring uh, some of their personal history you know, right. or things that they share into it. And it just creates a much more rounded mm-hmm. story of okay. the person, you know. So there's, you know, a few key questions, nothing mysterious, nothing that right, right, you wouldn't right. ask somebody if you were at a party and getting to know somebody or, you know, you, you know you've know, you been living next door to somebody for a certain amount of time, but you only know a smidgen about them and... So I'm assuming you're not doing a documentary of the, of the company. So what kind of product, I mean, what kind of comes out of that? And, and how do they use that as an owner? How do I, because you want to make sure, you're, I'm sure they're going to disseminate it some way. They're going to send it out and say, hey, I mean, what are they doing? I mean, they're not, I'm just curious. What what what, well, what do know, they end up with? I mean, because they want to tell the story of the business or do they want to tell the story of what? It's really, it's really both. And okay. uh, actually the more uh, of them that's in their business and what they right. do, um, that's really what attracts people. So just as an example, um, I did a piece uh, for uh, Ritter's Custom Woodwork. Okay? okay. So Philip Ritter is a wood craftsman, mm-hmm. and uh, he, uh, just as his business says, he makes custom uh, pieces for people. But uh, Philip, uh, his approach to projects are if he's engaged by somebody, he wants to visit with them. He wants to see where whatever it is that he's going to design and mm-hmm. build for them, you know, fits their life and their circumstance. Okay. And he tries to get to know a little bit about the person. But he himself, at the age of like three, his three. father was a master cabinet maker, and uh, he used to go with his father on site to these different locations and. Um, uh, uh, I think when he relays his story, he talks about uh, one such trip that he went with his father. His father was doing some work at Rutgers University, and and uh, uh, he would observe. And he <laughs> he uh, uh, he titled his piece um, uh, from uh, uh, "Dreams to Sawdust" because <laughs> he said when he was uh, a young child and he would go with his father. He would play the sawdust. The piles of sawdust was his sandbox. Okay. He would play with the sawdust and rub it on his arms and legs and get the feel of it. And and then he would go with his father to the uh, lumber yard and you know to pick out the woods and the smell of the woods and mm-hmm. every, it became infectious for him. And he developed this 
huge passion and interest in wood craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't until he got laid off from other work that he said, you know what, I'm going to do what I really want to do. So he talks about that in in telling his story and... uh, uh, and his passion for that. And he, he's a musician as well, and mm-hmm. uh, he's written songs, and he plays guitar, a wood-based instrument. So he talks about the relationship of music and composition and creation and design and how, how all that comes together for him. So it's just it just really tells his story. Right, and, right. Uh, that's what I mean by you know bringing that into it. Oh, that's amazing! So you went back, like back when he was a child. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, um, you know. So yeah, so you tell the story, and then I guess he uses that to kind of as his promo, kind of his promo type thing, for lack of a better word. And so they get to know him a little better, as opposed to writing a an about us. You got actually a video that, exactly. that tells you a little bit more about that particular yep. company or that person, so yeah, to speak. So exactly. So that could be very powerful. It is. It's on his website. It's being used in social media, and, you know, he shares that with uh, a lot of people. And when people get to know you, uh, you're, build, you're building trust, right? Because right. sure. they trust you. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for telling that wonderful story. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what you've been doing and where you head from here. We'll be right back. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Finances. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, here with uh, Steve Besterman, the Chief Storyteller of Ari Joe Productions. And he's taking us on a nice journey, all from your mom's story. Um, then, you know, going off on Bunny and creating that little documentary that she did that it basically she... Didn't think there was any big story there, but it turned out to be a really interesting story, and um, that's that's been very popular. And of course, the kids love it, and I'm sure many generations from now they'll love it. And then you kind of moved into the business stories, which many of us that are business owners, or even anybody who does business with somebody, you really want to kind of know that business a little bit. You got to have to build that trust, especially when you do something really, uh, in my opinion, kind of high level, like whether it's you know making cabinets, like uh, Philip Ritter was doing uh, with his custom wood. You want to kind of understand them a little bit. Or, and I know my business, nobody will ever do business with me or anybody in my, you know, you're not going to hate your finances or somebody unless you trust them and understand them and understand what they're all about. Um, so it's a very common thing that I think a lot of businesses don't understand. And I think they really should, especially your smaller and mid-sized ones. I mean, big ones hire people and I think, you know, they go at it, so to speak, and they try to figure it out. I mean, I think they do it. Um, but that's, an, I think it personally, I think it's an advantage that small and mid-sized businesses have because you do have a personality. Like we have Mrs. G's locally, an appliance place, right? So she, you know who she is. You go in, you know how you're going to be treated. I mean, and she's big on local businesses too. But, you know, there's so a lot of us that are mid-sized and small business owners really kind of get that. But now you're helping us. That's a great, this is a great way to kind of push it forward. Um, so what else, you know, can you tell us a little bit more? I know you do a lot of stuff. So you want to tell us some more things that you've been doing with this other than helping out guys like uh, Phil Ritter and right. his the woodworking business? Sure. Well, uh, you know, nonprofit. Groups are uh, another uh, client for me. Um, and, uh, you know, nonprofit groups are faced with a number of uh, challenges. Uh, when you think about it, there are so many uh, groups competing and all, you know, working on good causes and important things. But uh, it's it's very competitive space, right? Mm-hmm. To raise funds uh, for you know for their support, and um, so um, 
The first, the first nonprofit uh, group that I work with was uh, Homefront, uh, right here mm-hmm. in uh, Lawrenceville, right, and um, uh, they were uh, trying to uh, raise funds and donations uh, for the building and construction uh, of this um, uh, former uh, defunct naval base, right? That was. Uh, it's right, uh, right off Scotch Road, right, right, okay. right over there. So anyway, they uh, they were losing uh, their space in this facility that they had, where they were housing, uh, I think, upwards of uh, forty uh, women, uh, single moms, and um, uh, providing uh, living space for them, in addition to uh, career counseling and job training and different things. So they built this beautiful uh, space, and it was like a, I think it was about a $6 million project, uh, wow. you know, for them. Uh, they got the uh, lease on the space for free, <laughs> for a dollar, because of some government uh, ruling mm-hmm. or something. And um, so uh, uh, a cousin of mine was on uh, their uh, board uh, and uh, their fundraising committee, and, and uh, he had approached me, and he said, you know, they have a lot of, you know, footage from... Uh, previous years and different things, and you know, would you do a brief uh, interview with Connie Mercer, who's the, mm-hmm. the president of Homefront, and and uh, and then you know, edit these other pieces together and you know things like that. And it just was seeming to me like a little bit of a hodgepodge, you know, approach. And and I said, well, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way to do it. <laughs> but I said, I'll tell you what, I will do. Uh, I'll do an entirely new video, <laughs> right? You know, that tells their story, you know? Right, so I right, told right. the backstory and I met with them and, you know, and did that. And, uh, it was very successful. I mean, they had a lot of other efforts going on, sure. so I'm not claiming success for everything, <laughs> but it was a very successful piece. And, uh, that's on my website as well. The other, uh, interesting, uh, circumstance for me with a, a nonprofit was, uh, Hope Loves Company. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, Jody O'Donnell Ames, uh, Hope Loves Company is, uh, the only, uh, nonprofit group dedicated to providing educational and emotional support to children, young adults, and families that are affected by ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay. And, uh, uh, being a storyteller, uh, I actually I met Jody. I was fortunate enough to meet Jody at a, uh, a story slam. Uh, there are a couple of guys that organize these story slams uh-huh. for um, startups, uh, business startups, or small businesses or nonprofits, uh, and they kind of go around uh, the country. And this was uh, uh, happening in South Jersey. And uh, I went uh, at the recommendation of a friend of mine and uh, told my story. You know, you basically get five minutes. No props, no PowerPoint, no video, no nothing. It's just you telling your story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I told the story about Ari Joe that I told right. you this morning. And, um, and, uh, uh, and then uh, at one point, Jody got up and in five minutes just blew everybody away with her story. She lost her husband at a very young age to ALS. Mm-hmm. She had a young daughter at the time. No resources for her young child. Uh, some support resources for her. Uh, right. But uh, none for her young child. And uh, uh, she ended up uh, staging an event uh, to support uh, parents and families uh, that were affected uh, for the ALS Foundation. And, and, uh, and lo and behold, meets a man who lost his wife to ALS. Oh his God. wife was, uh, uh, worked as a guidance counselor and wrote a book, What Did You Learn Today?, because she wanted to communicate to young children about the disease and about... Mm-hmm you know, the expectations of the progression of that disease, uh, you know, with their family member. And um, uh, 
Uh, so they got together. Subsequently, uh, their kids became friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they became friends, and then eventually they married. Ah. Uh, and um, so it was really this uh, this uniting of these two families that were very affected by ALS and the, and their concern for their children. So uh, Jody started Hope Loves Company to provide that level of support, and their cornerstone is uh, Camp HLC where uh, she has a camp uh, that are for uh, children and their families to come to. And it's a free weekend to the families. And uh, it's a chance for children who may have never met another person who was going through exactly what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And um, the bonding that takes place and the lifelong relationships that are created. And then many of these children become mentors for other Children that subsequently uh, are, uh, you know, affected by mm-hmm. uh, by ALS, and um, so it's a wonderful uh, organization. And uh, you know, all I kept thinking about when Jody finished her story was, you know, I gotta just go over and give this woman a hug. I, I <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, it, it just really uh, tore me up. And um, and at the same time. Jody was thinking, I want to talk to that guy about, right. you know, she was documenting. They had a, an upcoming trip to Iceland mm-hmm. to uh, knowledge share with the people uh, affected by ALS in Iceland right? as a result of a man that she met who heads up the organization in Iceland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, she wanted to document that trip. And I said, I think you got to document your whole story because it's right. phenomenal. It's amazing. And... Um, so uh, Jody brought me on to uh, uh, not only uh, videotape interviews with uh, her and her family and uh, and some of the children, but to go with them to Iceland to document oh. that uh, trip. So I did, and uh, it's yet to be released, but the documentary is uh, complete. And uh, stay tuned for a showing near you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but it's an incredible uh, incredible group of people. Right, so it just gives them a way, another way to add to their like the background because people because I, I'm assuming before this they didn't really have this you know I'll put in a video of any kind where somebody could just sit and listen and, to the whole story, right? Right, right. They had uh, they had clips and uh, you know Jody would go on speaking engagements right, sure. and they had uh, different clips from different summer uh, uh, different uh, camp HLCs or around. You know, I think she's in six states now. Right. But uh, but yeah, they didn't have one all encompassing uh, telling of the story. So okay. I was uh, honored to do that. Yeah. So so I'm just curious from a business perspective. So I mean, there's one is I'm thinking like the long version and the short version, right? So somebody comes to your website, right? You may want I don't I, you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but one is going to be like, oh, I want to know quickly like what's going on with this place, but then I might want to know like the whole thing, right? Right. Right. So you're going to want to know well. Well, I don't, you know, like I've ne- maybe I've never heard of the organization. What exactly is it? And then you're going to have another level, like, I'd love to hear the whole, like, how this came to be. Right. Right? Right. Right. So is, is that, I mean, what's the thought when you're doing this? Are you thinking the long version or what do you, I mean, what do you, like, all encompassing or do you, or you not think about things like that? Well, no, I do. Uh, I, I do. Um, uh, I try to tell people not to be too concerned about length. I mean, you know, unfortunately in our world today, you know, uh, there are short attention spans. Yeah, short attention spans. (laughs) There are schools of thought that's saying, you know, if anything's longer than two minutes, I don't want to know. You know, my theory is um, when uh, the subject matter is relevant to people, uh, when the story is interesting, Mm -hmm. uh, it will 
hold their okay. attention. But, you know, to your point, not everybody is going to sit down and watch a 50-minute documentary, you right. know, unless they really are right, right. interested so you gotta really, in it. It's really got to so, keep it So, I mean, there. on my website, what I do is I put ex- I put the examples there full length, you know, right. whatever that is. Um, uh, I don't really have a clip reel or anything because, right, right, right. you know, storytelling takes time. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I get it. But, yeah. uh, but I'll put, you know, verbiage uh, in the description of okay. what it is so that you know, you're either, you know, it's either relevant for you right. or you're interested in it okay. or seeing more. And, uh, well, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. you're doing a great service, I think. And I think it's something we, I think a lot of us, especially in business, hear that we should be doing these things, but we don't. So I think you're a great facilitator for Thank kind of you. making it easy. And, uh, you know, especially nonprofits, because everybody has a story of nonprofit. Every business owner has a story. Right. I, I think everybody needs to get better at telling them. Um, and I think now that kind of everything's virtual in many ways, you got to you got to reconnect. And I think video is a great way to reconnect um, and not just typing up an about us page. You, you've got to really kind of, you know, put a personality on it. So I appreciate you coming in today and telling us a story about your, your parents and about Buddy and about Phil and, and everything else you've been doing. I think it's fantastic. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances and I'm Kurt Baker. I've been here with Steve uh, Besserman, uh, chief storyteller. Um, and uh, you can. I guess you can get him at rejoe.com if you'd like to learn more about him. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Um, you can reach us at uh, www.cwmi.us. Um, you can listen to the podcast at masteryourfinances.us or call me directly at 609-716-4700. Uh, we have a brief announcement. We have Attitudes in Reverse, the nonprofit I'm associated with, uh, also known as AIR, will be holding its open house for the new headquarters at 61 Princeton Heightstown Road, Princeton Junction, on Saturday, May 18th from 10 10- uh, a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, there's more information at the website at airair.ngo. Hope to see you there. Um, remember, together we can master your finance so you can enjoy financial peace of mind. It's hard to keep up with the fast-paced financial world, but because of Master Your Finances, you have a head start. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, our certified financial planner professional, only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Tune in next week, Sunday at 9 a.m. to get a boost on your financial planning. But if you missed a week, you can check out past episodes. Just go to masteryourfinances.us to check out past episodes and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment LLC. Money doesn't grow on trees, but it can grow your portfolio. Thanks to Kurt Baker and Master Your Finances. On Sundays at 9 a.m. Exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.